Welcome to Cognitive Rampage Podcast. Hope you're taking care of you. Hope you're living your Cognitive Rampage. Just a few things before we get to the podcast. The book is finally here. Well, almost. The second edition of the Cognitive Rampage, a scientific approach to self-discovery change and life optimization, will be released on Amazon on 420. On 420 on Amazon, bookstores, a couple other places, the Kindle as well. But I love this book. I am very, very proud of the second edition of this book. For those of you that did buy the first edition of The Cognitive Rampage, A Dose of Authentic Revelation, email me at Cognitive Rampage Podcast at Gmail, picture proof that you bought that, and I will email you a free electronic copy of that book. You can also mental train. With myself, go to adamlowry.com, cognitiverampage.com, backslash mental training, and book a session with me. We can do some one-on-one training. What it's about is giving you tools and strategies, what I call kicking your front door psychology. This is not your place to bring your feelings. Because we get into what you think, hardcore reconstruction of what you think stems from what you believe. If you want to change how you feel, change how you think, but you got to be willing to excavate and change what you believe. That's mental training in my book. But we go further. Told you about the book. Told you about mental training. Lastly, to run this podcast gets expensive. Sometimes booking guests, sometimes replacing equipment, paying rent on the Cognitive Cave Studio, et cetera, et cetera. We've been running this two years uh, without advertising, without sponsors, et cetera, but it's getting close to where we're going to have to start doing that. I don't want to do that. Six minutes of advertising before every show I don't want to do you can go to adamlowry.com, cognitiverampage.com, same thing. Click on the donate button. You can make a one-time donation or you can set up for a monthly donation. A dollar, that's cool. A dollar per show maybe. Maybe only donate to a show you like. I don't care. Anything really helps. Um, If you like the show, if you like the content we're going with, uh, if you like where we're pushing it, I appreciate it. Thank you for the love. Thank you for the listening. This Cognitive Rampage will continue to roll on continue to roll on. With your help, we can expand more. We can get bigger guests in here. I, I even hate saying bigger guests because I, I love all my guests. All my guests bring something special to the table every single time. So I'd appreciate any kind of love like that. Uh, it would mean a lot. But uh, again, just go to that donate button. Donate a dollar a show. I think that's the cheapest that PayPal will let you donate something. I think something like that. Or set up something reoccurring. $3 a month, 5 bucks a month. It doesn't matter. Uh, anything you could do to help would be wonderful. I do a rather excited intro on this podcast already because we do go live on YouTube. So this podcast is coming out on 4.13. We did this podcast last Saturday, the Saturday previous. So if you subscribe to our YouTube channel, you can watch those shows live. You'll have uh, you'll actually be privy to the podcast before it hit before it hits iTunes. We try to relay it right away, but sometimes it's a couple days, but This one took a little bit longer beyond that. Uh, Kyle Dake was on before. I had a lot of other ones, but this podcast was monumental for myself. I know for the listeners, for the Tribe of Change members that were out there, uh, when we put this podcast together, I was completely, completely ecstatic. So I didn't even do an intro on the YouTube video, etc., which is why I'm recording this one now, over the top. But love you all. I hope you enjoy this podcast. If you're listening, you already know what you clicked on. I intro the two guests anyway, once it gets to YouTube, but uh, I guess I'll say it anyway. Welcome back, Dr. Jack Cruz and my friend, Naudi Aguilar. Welcome to Cognitive Rampage Podcast. Hope you're taking care of you. Hope you're living your Cognitive Rampage. 
the time has come. You all asked for it like crazy. I don't even know how many emails I got to have these two innovators at the same time on the show. I'm like a fucking kid at Christmas right now. Um, I'm kind of trying to contain myself and act like I'm not like, what the hell is about to happen? Um, but you all have heard both of these uh, gentlemen all over the podcast. You've heard them all over the Internet changing things. Like I said, they're innovators in their own rights and what they both do. Uh, but I want to get right to the show uh, and jump right into it. But uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, Dr. Jack Cruz and Naudi Aguilar of Functional Patterns. So thank you. Thank you for having us, Adam. Yeah, I uh, looked forward to this for uh, a while. Uh, a Tribe of Change member actually suggested it once, and I said, holy shit, yeah, we got to do that. Uh, I know, uh, Naudi, you've been implementing some stuff of Jack Cruz's along the way. I implement most of your shit along the way, Naudi, uh, which has improved my life dramatically. Uh, Jack, i am been implementing yours. I got my uh, lights above me and the proper ones since last time we talked. You were like, you're killing yourself in your podcast studio, so... I no longer write in my podcast studio. I used to write in the Cognitive Cave when I do uh, was writing my book, etc. And now working on the next one, I write outside every morning. So I've been adding as much as I can, as much as I can learn. I don't know how many times I've re-listened to our podcast, trying to grasp and look up words and order books that you asked. And so uh, I have a, a plethora of questions to walk through um, just to get a better understanding. So I'm no longer, uh, I think, standing at the cusp going, wait, blue light kills us. I'm kind of beyond that now. Uh, at least a little bit, maybe a few baby steps. And I know Naudi is quite the scientist himself uh, as a biomechanics scientist, I'd like to say, but also a philosopher. So um, I'm probably just going to open with a few questions, but if it's okay, uh, I know Naudi has been implementing your stuff for a, a long time and has some some questions and may will probably perhaps lead the interview along the way as I'll jump in and go, hey, I'm kind of smart and can I keep up? Uh, so when I start, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm one of the idiots here. I, I, I know my place and I'm just pretty much here to ask questions to, to, to Jack. So that's, I'm not, I won't be talking much. I'll probably just be inquiring because I, I deal with frustrations in the, in the field of, uh, of training with relation to science and whatnot. And it's just gathering your perspective on things would be amazing. I, I may ask some off the cuff questions cause I asked you some on your, on your Facebook page before. So I, I may ask some other questions. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to be asking anything in, in a sense of disrespect. I, I see you as one of uh, one of the people that I admire, and I'm just. Uh, I'm uh, really when I ask a, when I'm forming a question, I'm just trying to get a, a better understanding for myself so I can make better decisions in my own life. So, no, so I'll pretty much, I'm just here to ask questions. I think uh, to be honest with you, I think <clears throat> that's the most important thing about life about asking the right questions. Um, I think too many people don't spend enough time actually thinking about that. And then actually when you do ask the right question, really paying attention to the answer and, and dissecting that further. Um, it's kind of funny that we're talking about this because yesterday um, I was asked to go back to my medical school and actually talk to the school of public health. And that's actually one of the, the things I led with uh, my first slide. I said, you know, sometimes things in life, we don't do them. They kind of choose us. And, and I told them that my transition from, you know, being a, a dentist to an oral surgeon to a neurosurgeon and now a quantum biologist or a, a mitochondriac um, is now brought me to the, the world of public health. And I never actually thought about it until they actually asked me. And it was like really cool sitting in the same room that I did 
my first two years of medical training uh, and seeing these kids ask me these questions, you know, and some of them, some of them are good. Some of them weren't, but the key thing, I think we're all students. And I, that's what I tried to tell them. Even now in my fifties, I'm still a student. I'm still as curious today as I was when I sat in that room. And I think we all need to be that way. Um, you know, knowledge is never a settled issue. It's never a settled science. No, absolutely. I have actually have a question for you. Before you went into, obviously, the medical field, doing what you did, were you already kind of critical of what the establishment was already kind of doing, or did that kind of develop as you went no. into the field and then saw the problems in it? Like, I'm, 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 like, were you all in? Did you believe in everything? No. Where, where did you come from in this? I'm, I'm really that, curious. As when I was four, I, I was I was completely conventional wisdom until I was forty years old. At forty years old, something happened to me to myself. I actually tore my knee meniscus and that's kind of what set my path different. And that, it's funny because we're talking about this. That's actually what I talked about yesterday. I, I, very few people ask me about how the, the beginning started, but that's what I told the kids yesterday. And I, I told them, I said, I'd love to be altruistic and tell you I did this for all the right reasons, but I didn't, I did it for myself. And I told them it was a powerful statement because as physicians, we're taught we need to give pieces of ourselves to other people to try to help them. And one of the come to Jesus moments for me was to realize that who are you good for if you're not good for yourself? And I realized from zero to 40 that I was killing myself by doing my job and I thought I was doing a good job and I wasn't. And I, I was a shell of what I knew that I could be. And what I had to do was deconstruct everything about me. And that includes, you know, the things, the things that I thought were important. And I told them that when I went through this change, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life was those 18 months when I realized that everything that I believed was wrong. I, I don't think I've had a harder thing in my life to date. You know, that was, we're talking 12, 13 years ago. Uh, and it's just funny when I think back to those days and thinking to myself, I cannot believe everything that I was taught. I mean, even in surgery, the things that I did or would do and how I would break things down. I said, I got, I got to get this right. And that, that one sense is the thing that drives me now. I, I feel like I've wronged a lot of people and I obviously didn't do it on purpose. It was because that's what I was yeah. taught. And now my passion is for getting it right. Like when somebody asks me something that I don't know about, um, I, I don't, I don't take anything lightly anymore. Um, I'm a, I'm a pretty good observer. I've always been a good observer, but I can't say prior to 40 years old that I actually took an idea and executed it. Now I take good and bad ideas and really examine them, turn them around just like a Rubik's cube, because even believe it or not, it's the craziest thing to talk about. But when somebody gives you a bad idea or gives you something that's completely ridiculous, 
believe it or not, there's always value in it. And you know what the key is? You, your mind has to be right for you to take it. Like, I'll give you a, a perfect example on relationships. There's people that we all work with, you know, and you have to work with them. And they may be an asshole for this, that, or the other thing. But the thing is, you can always take something positive away from it if you, the observer, are looking for it. In other words, even when I do podcasts, like um, he was saying earlier before we got on, you know, that people ask, you know, crazy questions a lot of times when we start off. Believe it or not, every question is cool. I don't care what anybody asks me because you're opening up doors in your own mind. And I said this yesterday and I'll say it to you guys. I know what my intent is when I say things, but I don't know what you get from those words. And the only way for me to know is what you guys ask me back. So that's part of the reason why in a, in a podcast form, it's interesting for me because I don't know you guys shit from Shinola, but I always look at where people are coming from. I'm trying to look at it from their perspective, what their issues are, what they're trying to learn, um, what path, what journey they are. Um, I'd say before when I was 40, I used to prejudge a lot. You know, I, I would call it thin slicing people because that's what we do in medicine. You know, you listen to someone's problem and then you try to make a diagnosis. So what are you doing? You're, you're, it's a detective work, but you're also looking at their mindset. And um, it's, it's pretty sad to say, but I'd say most people, they're their own worst enemy. And the worst thing you can do, well, I, I don't know. The worst thing you can do from a medicine perspective, I don't believe this anymore myself, is to tell people that. Uh, and most doctors don't. They actually don't tell people. They do not advise them what not to do based on their circumstances. And I change that about me. I actually go after all those things. And that makes people a little bit uncomfortable. And I'm cool with being uncomfortable because, to me, my discomfort is part of the reason why the last 12 years of my life have changed. And it really was the mindset. Everything else follows from there. Um, but not everybody's at the same, you know, junction or the same stage of their life. And you have to realize that when you're trying to help people, especially when you get on, you know, a podcast and you're talking about things like this. Um, it, I think it gives people an inside or an insight to how you think. And to me, that's much more important. Like I always tell people I could care less about my reputation. What I, what I'm really interested now in my life is the character and how I do things. Um, I think prior to 40 years old, I was more interested in the reputation. Now, I mean, I look at reputation, especially with online stuff. It's just like toilet paper. It's not worth anything, but yet, People value it, which I find very ironic. Um, I just think you have to do the right thing for you. And I think when people meet you, I don't think you can get this from an online interview or when we're meeting. But when you're physically here with me and people have met me in, in real life, they understand that aspect about me, I think, a little bit more. I, I'm pretty passionate about people who are passionate about really changing their life. And if you're not, if you're not all in, um, I can still hang out and talk with you, but you'll notice a change in how I deal with you. And 
some people that turns off other people. That's how it is. And I look at it like this. My, my time on this planet is limited. I want to have a maximum in, impact. If I'm wasting my time on someone who really doesn't get it, what's the point? You know? Yep. No, absolutely. Def, definitely. I, I, I'm wondering, this is another question that I have. At what point did you start delving into math and quantum physics and things of that nature? Like, what brought stuff. that about of all things? Like well, I, I, I'm, I mean, there's there's an assortment of different routes that you can take in the in this life in terms of trying to you know medicate yourself, trying to solve your physiological dysfunctions and whatnot. But what about uh, quantum physics? Was it that that kind of attracted you? For me, a long time ago, I figured at some point somebody's gonna figure out the math to this stuff in terms of what's happening at the cell and whatnot. They'll relate it probably back to in some way mathematics. I, I'm I'm completely I'm I'm just not driven by those types of things, so I can never. I, even when I was in school, I was terrible in math. So it wasn't that I was terrible. I was just really unmotivated to do it because nobody taught me that it was important. But um, I'm, I'm just curious as to where where you gathered the the data to say, well, you know what? Because no doctors do that. <laughs> I mean, no, no doctors are ever saying, okay, you know, let's let's look at the math and then say, okay, well, this is how we calculate things. You don't see that in the in the medical field. So I'm wondering at what point. Did you uh, say, well, you know what? I need to look at the math here and determine that, and I'm going to determine that through the math what people need. Well, this was really, really simple. When I had my come to Jesus moment, I realized that there's two genomes in a cell and that I spent the first 40 years of my life focusing on the genome with DNA. And it turned out the other genome uh, from our mother called the mitochondria was the most important one. And when you look at the input of mitochondria, it's called electron chain transport. It was at that point when I realized that circadian biology was the key. How much did I really know about electrons? Then I thought about, okay, what's inside the mitochondria? It's the mitochondrial matrix. What's there? Protons. I said, okay, well, how much do I know about electrons and protons? I mean, really know about them. And the answer through 40 years of training and, and you know, going to a top residency and being a neurosurgeon is I didn't know very much. And that's when I said, okay, instead of learning about carbohydrates, fats, and proteins, I need to learn about the things those things are made out of. And that's when it changed because when you realize it does come down to electrons and protons, you have to go back to physics. Uh, And that's where the key was. So I tell people before I was um, a brain and spine mechanic as a mitochondriac, I became a thermodynamic engineer, and and I would say a biologic quantum uh, thermodynamic engineer. And the reason why is the basis of thermodynamics is statistical mechanics, and that's a brand of mathematics, and that's where you get into it. And the good the good part is, I didn't have to go and do like what my son did when he went uh, to become an engineer, but. The funny thing happened is when he was in college, him and I would sit down. He goes, Dad, I don't understand how all doctors don't think like this. And I said, well, I I understand why you say that because you're an engineer and engineers are taught to think about things from a thermodynamic perspective, but doctors aren't. They're not. And and the thing is that has to change. And I think if, if you ask me, probably the biggest seminal moment for me was when I realized that I needed to know, I needed to look at everything. Like my glasses needed to be changed from the surgeon's perspective or the medical doctor's perspective to a thermodynamic perspective. So I look at energy now as the key to pretty much everything. And 
when you hear that word energy, I, I don't use it in the terms like, um, you know, the hippies, hopefully. Right. Exactly. I'm talking about energy in the form of light. And okay. you think about, you think about energy, energy uh, goes back to Einstein's equation. E equals MC squared really is the theory of everything. If you really want to get to it, because light can form everything that's matter. It's really hard for people to accept and understand like the car you're sitting in, the phone you're talking on, um, the stuff that Adam's got on his head at one time in the past, all those things were light and they were changed into matter, into structure. And matter has a different frequency, a different waveform. And the thing that people don't appreciate is that everything that is matter can be structured back to light. Now, the thermodynamics of doing that, very, very difficult. Obviously, it's not something that happens all the time. But, you know, when you say this to people on the surface, they look at you like, yeah, I don't know if I believe that. And I'm like, okay, well, let's think about a leaf. Let's go to something everybody knows. What does the leaf do? It takes carbon dioxide and water and light and makes sugars. That's what you call making matter out of light. That's a process. Uh, the entire food web on this planet is based on that one single step. And most people don't know that each one of those steps, those 30 steps in photosynthesis are all quantized. It comes back to electrons and protons. There's some cool steps in there and some really wild shit that happens, you know, where we make something called an exciton, which is a quasi-particle, which you really want your head to get expanded. It's a hole in reality, meaning, and I, I mean this literally and figuratively, we create a hole in reality to build reality. Holy fuck. And it, it I, don't, I don't get that. What do you mean? Like, I, can you can you break that down into, yeah, I know it's probably going to be hard, but can you break skills. that down to idiot terms? Yeah. Yeah, I, I want you to think about Skittles, okay? I want you to imagine a bunch of Skittles on a, a table, all right? Light comes in and hits one of those Skittles and knocks it out, meaning that it's excited. It's an excited electron. So you have that whole tray of Skittles and one's missing. There's a hole in the reality of all those Skittles. And it turns out that excited electron, which is known as an exciton, which is a quasi-particle, technically never exists in time that we experience, you know, that we observe, but it exists in that chloroplast. And it has to be funneled through something called a reaction center to get to the place where the action of life occurs. And this all happens with no time being diminished. And here's the crazy part. When you actually understand this, you're like, let me get this straight. All this happens with no time, but yet it happens because we eat food. I mean, it's now been proven a thousand times over that that's actually how a chloroplast works. So let's stop for a minute. Since we've been talking so much about plants, realize that a chloroplast and a mitochondria have something in common. It occurred 650 million years ago. Guess where they both came from? They came from a symbiont bacteria. How do you like that? So the same process that's going on in the leaf is also going on in every one of our cells at a mitochondrial level. The difference is in a chloroplast, this exciton, this quasi-particle, um, all the machinery is built right there. But the interesting thing in us is if you look at a mitochondria, the key thing is you need red blood cells to ferry those excited electrons to the mitochondria. And the reason for that is very simple. If you think about a plant that's into the ground and the, the canopy is up in the air, so it never moves. I shouldn't say 
it moves, but not in the way we move across the environment. The key is plants never have to eat and see when life innovated us, see plants came first when life innovated complex life forms, it basically took the exciton mechanism, how it's built, put part of it in red blood cells and put the other part in mitochondria. And it's become extremely efficient, but it does exactly the same thing. Everything about life, if, if you want to hear something that will really blow your mind, because a kid asked me this yesterday in medical school, and the answer, the answer I gave him kind of left him stunned. And I'll share it with you. He asked me, he goes, really, what's the fundamentals of life? And I said, it's pretty simple. I said, it's all about excited electrons. All you have to do, life has figured out how to capture the excited electron from sunlight and when it falls to its ground state and releases that light, that's all light, life does. That's what a cell does. A cell captures light, and it harnesses it and uses it, and it creates matter from it. In other words, um, when you need magnesium, your cell is capable of taking light that it captured from the sun and making magnesium, and we don't realize that. Holy shit. Okay, okay, so, okay hold on, hold on, hold on. So how the hell do we – how the hell do you create magnesium by get from the sun? Like what, what do you have to do to trick the body to do that? What? No, you don't, you don't have to trick the body. This is actually quantum physics. Just think about it yourself. Oh, I mean, you know, I'm going to, I'm trying to give you something that's really easy because you know, when you hear these principles, because we're deconstructing stuff, this is important for you to understand. Remember the guy Herschel who found um, the planet uh, Saturn and, 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 and Neptune when they used to look at the sun, they realized that they could see elements in the light of the sun. So you can actually tell that this is going on. And you know that we're all made of stardust. And in fact, when a star blows up, yeah. it blow up too. It blows up into elements. So where did those elements come from? It came from light. So the process that's going on in stars does exactly the same thing. So my members, one of the things that I've told them in a, about the last is that my current belief, my understanding where we are right now, um, is that I believe the sun and the mitochondria are very much the same. They do, they're, they're complementary parts. In other words, nature has taken this big ball of gas that's in the sky that we see every day and recapitulated it, except on a, uh, on a nano uh, level, and it's in our cells. Each neuron in your brain right now has 3,600 of them. More, some maybe some little bit more, a little bit less, but it actually takes light that it captures on electrons, and then it uses that light to do the same things that the sun can do in you. And that's okay. So, so where, where where does this stop? So you're saying that we can produce magnesium? Can we produce proteins? Can we produce? You get what I mean? Like yeah, we produce point- everything. We we let, let me just tell you something. We are a factory that is capable when we're healthy of pretty much making everything we need. So one of the things that I tell people, and this, this is, this is one of the things that I think is, makes me unpopular with supplement makers and uh, guys who sell coffee and all that kind of bullshit is that I have a saying, if we're designed to make it, you shouldn't take it. So for example, I'll give you the easiest one. Uh, We're designed to make vitamin D on our skin. It makes absolutely no sense to take vitamin D orally um, in most cases, with a couple of exceptions, and the reason why is when you take something that your body makes, you ruin the feedback mechanism. It's the negative and positive feedback. So, in other words, you downgrade your endogenous production. 
So even if you go outside and you're naked on the equator, will you make as much vitamin D when you're taking it? The answer is no. So what's the better plan? The better plan is to understand physically how your body makes vitamin D and then fix that. So and, good. And Holy here's, here's shit, the key. man. Uh, all right. Sorry. Go ahead. Here, here's the key. The key is understanding the physics of the organism, the physics of the cell and innovating. Like I tell people, one of the um, questions I got asked from the medical students yesterday was about why do we have this global pandemic of vitamin D? And my quick answer to them, which shocked them, was everybody's dehydrated. And why is that? We live in a blue lit microwave world. And what do those light frequencies do to cells? They dehydrate us. And, and it's not hard to understand because anybody who's ever cooked a steak uh, or try to heat it back up the next day in the microwave knows if you don't wrap a paper towel around it, it tastes like shoe leather. Why? Because it gets dehydrated. Mm. So the thing is happening to us right here on the planet because of all the things we're doing, like what, what Adam's got on his head right now. Um, the light frequencies that are around us in your car, these things chronically dehydrate us. And when you get dehydrated, there's a quantum step in vitamin D3 production called the isomerization step. When you don't have water in your body, you cannot make vitamin D. So stop for a minute. And let's think about the tree now. What happens in photosynthesis when you have water? Is it as effective? No. The answer is no. See, the point is what happens in a leaf happens in us. The steps are a little bit different, but what are they ultimately linked to? They're linked to these two things that evolution created 650 million years ago. They both come from the same thing. They're, it's a bacteria. That's what a mitochondria and a chloroplast do. They're very similar, very, very similar in what they do. There's some differences, but those differences are actually what the differences are between plants and us. And the crazy thing is, Photosynthesis is the basis of the entire food web. So if you are truly a thermodynamic thinking kind of person, you need to know a lot more about light and understand how light works, not only with the fuel you put in, but also in the engines that are in your cell. And I, I gave the example yesterday in my talk, and I'll share it with you guys now. It's akin to really understanding where we are. The medical paradigm right now is about the fuel. So I want you to think about a $250,000 Ferrari. Say all three of us pulled our money together, we went to buy it. Does it make any goddamn sense to, to decide, all of us sitting, say, in California, hey, should we put uh, 93, 87, or, or, or different gas? Or does it make more sense to make sure the fucking engine runs perfectly fine so we can go 220 miles an hour? And guess what? The mitochondriac focuses on the engine. Mm. But guess what? The doctors, the nutritional idiots, the food gurus, what are they focusing on? Oh, let's talk about the fuel. You, you do. We all have Ferraris in us. Why would you ever focus in on the fuel? And God. it's because what we understand, that's why we do it. And we don't understand mitochondria. And when I try to educate people to this perspective, it's foreign. When they first hear it, they're like, man, this is, this is just not making a lot of sense. And I, I tell people, look, I, I get it. I, I was there. I, I never got it either. But when you get it, you start to go, yeah, I, I, why would I ever focus in on the gasoline? I would always want to make sure that my engine run runs perfectly fine. And there's, there's a variety of different things that tie to that, open up new doors, new concepts that uh, people get really interested in. <laughs> That's when I start talking about electrons and protons. And when you realize that a mitochondria 
fundamentally is the thing in your body that captures those electrons and subtracts the light off of it and uses that light to do the things, all the cool things that we do. Man, that's when your life changes. That's when, that's when you really, you can help you. And, and here's the best part for both of you to understand. You don't need to know the science, bro. You, like neither one of you know all the steps for photosynthesis, but that doesn't stop you from eating fucking food, does it? No. No, no. <laughs> and it's exactly the same situation with mitochondria. But you know what the problem with this is? When you hear this information for the first time, you become extremely curious. It almost takes you back to when you were six, seven, eight years old and said, man, I want to learn more about this. People get turned on. Feeling and, that right now. Feeling right. that right now. Right. And, and, you know, here's the cool thing. You'd be surprised, Adam, when I, when I go all over the world to give these talks and do podcasts, certain people are into it and certain people aren't. And uh, I'll be quite frank with you. The people who don't get it, I move on. I, I, look, I'm on a limited budget here with time. If you don't understand what I'm saying and you're not feeling it, great. But I got news here. You, you no longer have to listen to me. There's okay. now books everywhere. You, you can go read these books. I can point you to the direction and say, learn about this. And when you learn okay. about it, then come back and talk to me, and then you'll start to understand why my perspective is what it is. Okay, so so first and foremost, I don't think anything that you that you're saying is re- remotely disagreeable because it makes a ton of at least from where I'm coming from because I'm not a big I've told Adam, <clears throat> we've had podcasts, I'm not a big diet guy, I'm not a big uh, supplement guy, I'm not into any of that shit myself, I've never been into it, it's never made partic- any particular sense to me either, so this is all, you're preaching to the choir here completely, even though I know most people don't don't get that. At some level, uh, is it so much that people can't grasp what you're saying, or, or is it at some level, do they realize that if they imply or apply what you're talking about, that there's going to be a lot less money to go around for people that are selling this kind of shit? I like to, can I jump in on that, Jack? Is from, from a mental health psychology standpoint, I mean, we've talked a lot about it. It's that cognitive dissonance, that idea that if Jack is right, then everything they've believed for like 40 years you practiced, everything I've been doing, they would have to then sit there. I saw the emotion you were sitting with this morning, Jack, as you were talking about your first 40 years and wanting to give back. I could feel that. And that means they then would have to feel that. And most people will not, but they won't. And so if you're, if you're right, then everything I've been doing, giving my kids, stuffing the iPad in their face, taking the supplements, educating everybody else. And just like Naughty said, uh, the money goes away. My family goes away. Right. And then I can't even face that cognitive dissonance. They, they even, I talk about a lot. They did a study on the Mississippi river, knowing it was flooding, uh, and it was like six or seven days. They told everybody in an eight square mile radius, everybody about the third mile out left. Most people that stayed and got injured were at the one and two mile radius because they just couldn't believe that it would happen. And they stayed right in it. And I mean, yeah, that that's that's kind of what I see people facing from mental health and what now what you deal with in biomechanics, if you're correct. The yogis and the CrossFitters and the millionaire programmers that are making all their come to my program. They're all wrong. And they all have to go away. And I think it's a human um, desire to be right in themselves, whether it is to be actually right. You know, this is, the, I'll give you a couple of uh, lines that I said yesterday, because they'll probably resonate with both of you. Before the truth can set you free, you need to identify which lie is holding you hostage. And let me just tell you something that's the essence of cognitive dissonance. Um, and when you realize, especially in my world, in medicine, 
um, there's very few facts. And, you know, people, people don't believe me when I, I tell them, that. I said, most of the things that we do in medicine really is based on beliefs. If you don't believe me, there's a great book out. I don't think we talked about it last time called Cosmo Sapiens. It's written by a guy named John Hans. What he basically does is goes and looks at all the branches of science and truly looks what's evidence-based and what's not. Like, what do we really know? I think when you read that book, you begin to realize um, when there's a dearth of fact, there's often a plethora of theory. And that's really what science is. And people don't understand that where we've got off the, the wheels in all aspects of science, um, it's, it's, it's kind of, let me try to give it to you as, as simple as I can to put it in a, in a one statement. Once you eliminate epistemology and ignore the obvious controls that epistemology gives you, you can scientifically prove just about anything to keep grant money flowing in. And that's really what modern science is in a nutshell. And that's why when I, when people ask me, well, can you give me citations? Sure. I can give you citations, but what does that do? Is, is that, is that moving you to a place that you should be and see I'm always, and you guys know this, I'm always trying to get people to understand. I just need you to connect with nature. When you connect with nature, that's that's what the animal in us is required. We are designed to be wirelessly connected to that sun and with our feet and hands firmly attached to things on this earth, either the earth itself or trees or things like that. That's how you're designed to move through this environment. And if you stay with that, you do that more often than not, you will be fine. The uh, the supplement makers, the pill pushers, the coffee makers, all, all that stuff, that is people who are preying on you realizing what you've been taught. You know, our educational system in the sciences is the big problem. And listen, scientists don't like this message because what am I fundamentally teaching people is that when we get in the classroom, we're telling people, hey, you need to look this way, not this way. And I think my come to Jesus moment was when I began to stop looking for disease processes in me or in my patients and realizing what in the environment is broken that is causing them to be broken. And that's the, the key perspective change. I look outside in, not inside out. And medicine these days is about, oh, your genetic defects, you know, or this, that, and the other thing. That's not the problem. We have environmental defects that we've created as a species that is hurting us all and hurting the animals in the environment. And it's so foreign to people to, to look at disease in this way. Um, but that's how a mitochondriac does it. And the way I got this perspective is being a mitochondriac, understanding that a mitochondria and a chloroplast is an electromagnetic sensor that checks out all the waves around us, that's doing it right now with both of us. Our body pays attention to that, to those waveforms. Those waveforms are all it cares about because it needs to understand the environment in order to harness that light energy on those electrons. And if you can't do that, then our Ferraris become Nissan Sentra's blowing black smoke. Mm. Is, uh, is biology a fundamental science? Jeff? No. No. I've, I've, actually, I've actually written that in blogs. 
And that is a full frontal assault, you know, to uh, biology, biologists and, and medicine docs. And when I say it, I always have to qualify it with them. And I tell them the reason why is biology doesn't concern itself with physics. And that's one of the problems. That's one of the things that I hope to change before I exit this planet um, is I want people to understand that physics is truly the fundamental science. Chemistry is not even a fundamental science. It's all based on physics. But the problem is if you ask a chemist about the quantum effects, you know, that occur in a simple reaction, they can't, they, they, they don't think this way. They don't process it because that's not actually how we learn chemistry. It's also not how we learn biology. So whenever, that, when you're a hammer, everything's a nail essentially. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys asked me, this goes back to the core question you guys asked me in the beginning that, uh, well, how did I change? You're, you're now deconstructing this for the listeners who are hearing this. That's actually what changed me. My perspective was that I realized that all the things that I believed were not fundamental. And I needed to go to deeper levels to truly understand how things work. And it, it became very problematic initially in medicine because I love talking to people and I love sharing this information. But when you understand that their educational paradigm is what's making them stupid and dumb, it, you, have, you get to a point where you should never argue with idiots because they just drag you down to their level and beat you with experience. I think and, you can relate there, can't you, Naughty? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've, I've made quite the reputation of arguing with idiots. And I mean, you, you, you get to you begin to learn how to, how to kind of like trap them and make them eventually come to the realization that, you know, even the, the science that exists is, I mean, completely illegitimate that I can pretty much form a, a study on anything that I want and I, cause I can control it. I can fabricate data all I want. Right. And, uh, but yeah, I, I have, I, but <laughs> I you probably know, have more experience. This, when you say this to, to, to doctors and you say uh, it to biologists, I actually said this yesterday and boy, did I get some pushback? Uh, but I told them, I said, look, if you don't, I, the, the idea that I shared with them yesterday was we were talking about metabolic ward studies. And they, this is when you do nutritional studies in a hospital. Two weeks, you control everything that goes in and goes out of a patient. You measure everything. And, you know, every single person in the room, when I brought the point up, they're like, yeah, that's true. You know, that's why this doesn't work and that doesn't work. I said, okay, stop for a minute. Where's a metabolic ward study done? It's done in a hospital under man-made light inside the electric power grid. I said, damn. Is that, how, is that how man's supposed to work, or is it supposed to be outside with no clothes on in nature, eating from the, the tree or another animal? I said, because do you think the results there in a hospital are exactly the same as it would be outside? Because if, if that's the case, you're not part of my tribe. And when I said it to them, I said, look, there has not been one nutritional study on, the, on this planet so far in the literature that at least I've looked at that has any light controls. And the point that I made to them, I, I mentioned ah, guys yeah, that is crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. And, and here's, here's the psychotic thing. You have idiots on the internet who are dietitians, nutritionists, paleo gurus. They're selling all these books the and fuck? they don't realize what they believe has no light controls. And yet, what did we just say here oh, earlier, guys? God, that is Well, the entire food web is tied to what? Photosynthesis. But yet, we're studying all these things in man-made light. So how wow. accurate is it? Oh, my God. That is fucking crazy. Well, and that's, wow. That's part, that's, why, that's part of the reason why. That's part of the reason why I tell people it was very easy to change my perspective once I realized this because 
When you understand that the light environment is the key determining factor, that's when you say, okay, it's circadian biology. It's not all the other things we need. Then you need to understand how these things play into our physiology. And that's the key. And, and, and when, yeah, but, when but Jack, I, I can't package it, right? I can't uh, monetize right. and I can't uh, patent light <laughs> and I can't, I can't come up with my new light program and show people you, right? So it's, it's not monetizing. Well, you know, Adam, you know, Adam, right? what I was going to say, um, it, it gets even more fundamental when you talk, you know, to regular people about these issues, because these are really fundamental questions we're talking about. Um, when, you, when it gets to people you can help and you can't help, this is what I, I, I really I say. If you provide people with simple, practical solutions to their problems, will they ever invest enough time to fundamentally solve them? You know, can a picture of food, a soundbite, a podcast, a tweet have enough data to really heal you? Or do you need skin in the game? My belief and this is not a popular belief with a lot of my skeptics and, and colleagues, is that, no, you have to have skin in the game. You've got to be a thermodynamic mitochondriac to truly get what the issue is. And I always tell people, science evolves by being challenged, not by being followed. And boy, when I say that in the medical school yesterday, that you, you could see the hair on their back of their necks. They were like, that's almost a heretic speaking. And I'm like, that's good because that's the key. Until you understand why I'm saying what I'm saying, just like when you saw before and you guys started to get this whole light thing, why it's so incredibly powerful, you know, for these metabolic ward studies. That's like all every study on ketosis that people consider uh, prominent comes from metabolic ward studies. So does everything we believe about ketosis – is it really true? The answer is no. Oh, fuck. Because it's not been studied in the appropriate way. And is everything we believe about, <clears throat> say, carbohydrates also true? The answer I was, is no. I, I was reading that on your blog about uh, a paper you had read that uh, they were pu putting out that carbohydrates didn't have that much of an effect on diabetics as the medical field's been saying. People, people just don't understand. Let me tell you something. You can get a diabetic to eat carbohydrates. All you need to do is put them in strong UV and IR light. But the problem is most humans who are diabetics, that's the reason they're diabetic because they're never in UV and IR light. They're always with this quantum tarp on, bro, and things here. Yeah. They're never – they, they are what we call or what I call a zoo animal. They're not a human animal. And I always tell people, I'll, I'll give you a really good example. And I think both of you really dig this. And we'll, we'll do the, uh, the idea with you, Adam, since I can see you best. I want you to close your eyes for a minute. All right? I want you to think to December 31st, okay, you're watching Discovery Channel, and there's a wolf, and he's in Yellowstone Park, six feet of snow, and he's hungry. He's looking for something to eat. Is he the thinnest or the fattest at this time of the year when you're watching this as your eyes are closed on discovery? Well, I'm guessing he's probably, I would say he's the fattest because of what I think I know, but I, you picture the thin wolf who right. is hungry and scavenging. And you did exactly right. Cause that's exactly what most humans will say. 
but he is the thinnest when it's the coldest and there's scarcity of food. Now, not your eyes are open. I want you to think about the newspaper, the Arizona Republic, at the same day, December 31st, what are all the advertisements in the paper at that time, right around New Year's? They're for party. humans, right? Alcohol. Alcohol, well, party, no, uh, food. What am I missing? Resolutions. Join my gym. Let's scale. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. The self-help books are coming out, right? Get yourself in shape. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Why is it that, remember, wolf and humans are both mammals. Why is it that one mammal is the thinnest part of the year in the wintertime, but yet humans are at the fattest and need oh, to have resolution? Do you want to know why, Adam? We're not outside. Right. We are the one animal that has something in its head that can break every law of nature. And the thing is, we control our environment. And when you understand that you control the environment, that our civilization, our society, our beliefs have led us to control the environment, that's where the problem begins. See, the wolf has to live by his environment. Fucking and he shit, don't. Man. You see what I'm saying? And yeah. Holy this, perspective, shit. this perspective is very simple when you break it down just as I did. Because I want to give you a real-world example that you've lived – probably 30 years of your life. You said, yeah, dude, I, I watched the Discovery Channel, and you're right. In the wintertime, all the animals are thinnest. Why is it that humans are fattest at that time? It's because we do everything wrong. That's the reason why we have New Year's resolutions. And the, the crazy – Yeah, but, but also in the, in the same token, can't we take in like Halloween, especially if we're talking about America – Halloween, where we're just eating ridiculous amounts of food. Thanksgiving, where we're just eating all kinds of just. Yeah, but let me ask you a question. Does does do you think? I mean, no, that's I mean, I'm just. It's junk food. But here's, yeah, I believe here's, here's, here's what I would say to you. Like at the same time, people that live in the equator, they eat mostly a high carb, low fat diet. Well, you know the reason for that is because that's what grows there. Yeah. And why don't they get into trouble? It's very simple. They're on the equator. What's on? What, what what's the difference? In that latitude, here's the key. The day is almost always 12 hours long, so that means they always have UV and IR light. The reason why they can eat that template and not get a train wreck like what would happen here at the 40th latitude is because they're connected. Now, the the crazier part of the story, when you really begin to break this down, you start to see that's where this mitochondrial heteroplasmy or haplotype comes. Why do we all have different... Numbers like I'm sure you guys have heard of the 23andMe thing where you can send in your data yeah. and kick back what your, you know, your mitochondrial lineage is. Well, guess what? All those haplotypes correspond to how we moved out of Africa and where we relocated. And what does it do? Then it retunes the mitochondria to live at your latitude, altitude, and population density. And you get that information only from your mother. That's why all mitochondria only come from the maternal side. Why? Because the mother is the one that basically tunes the Ferrari engine in you. So when you realize that this whole process is what we call transgenerational epigenetics, you get your energy, your ability to make energy from light only from your mother. So that means what your mother does and what your grandmother does and her mother before that and so on and so on and so on, you are a product of that. So let's just say for the last 150 years, if you lived in, say, New York City at the 57th floor, what do you think that the progeny or the offspring would be like from those people going forward? Well, angry, that's what, and, angry and unhealthy. 
Right. And that's what we have today. And here's the thing. That's the reason why the diseases that we saw in 1900 aren't the diseases that we're seeing today. Because what happens? What does a mitochondriac realize? That as mitochondria become less efficient, in other words, we're more like a Nissan Sentra blowing black spoke and, and less like a Ferrari, more diseases start to show up faster. That's why guys your age now come to see me with heart disease or, you know, carotid artery occlusion. How about the idiot on TV that tells everybody to exercise like a fucking idiot? Barb Harper, he just had a massive heart attack, Widowmaker. Yet you look at the guy, he looks really good, you know? And he's out there, made his whole career on TV, you know, doing the biggest loser, telling everybody, well, you know what you need to do? You need to eat high-carb, low-fat diet and exercise the fuck out of yourself. Well, how good was that? And here's the crazy thing. We see it across um, a variety of different things. These people that do these things, they don't realize. Where are they doing it, Adam? They're doing it inside in a gym under blue light. Yeah. So I don't want anybody to think that I'm trying to down exercise. I'm not. I'm telling you, I think exercise is great, but it needs to happen outside. That's part of the reason why I always push people to guys like Urban LaCour and Edo Portal. Why? I want them outside. I want them running on trees. I want them swimming in the water. I want them moving across their environment as a human is designed to do. But when that's I, a, that's, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. I was just going to say, when I see you know people in a CrossFit box doing fucking stupid shit under fluorescent light and blue light, I mean – it makes no sense. You're, that's a prescription for you to become the next Bob Harper. Hmm. And you need to understand that. Well, I, I can tell. I speak from a, a few sides. I mean, um, I, I know Naudi is mine's going off on the biomechanics side when the EO name came off. Um, but I, I look back at even myself, right? And, you know, recently thinking, uh, I guess, believing to be hypoglycemic to a point, I was going through all this crazy stress, exec, et cetera. I was misdiagnosed three times at three uh, at two ERs and a couple doctors. And most of them, it was anxiety one time. It was dehydration one time. And I start to look at kind of a, a downfall and an energy feeling. And I, I have to say, w- when I moved from Arco Island, when I was on my kayak at least three to four times a day or a week fishing, um, continually outside. I was coaching kids at football, et cetera. I spent a lot of time and I even had a detail business outside while I was going to school. When all that changed and went away and I found myself in the cognitive cave 24-7, writing the book all the time in the cognitive cave, et cetera, the only release or feel good that I had was practice and biomechanics from functional patterns that made my body feel better. And I would go through issues and bouts of what, where I felt crazy, where I was I couldn't be happy. I couldn't find anything. And then, and you pointed out on our podcast, man, like I'm sitting here like, what the fuck? How can I do a podcast outside from now on? You know, I, I can't, I can't help but relate. Hey, just that's, that's, just open okay. the window. Dude, just open I, I, the window. Invite I, the outside I, in. <laughs> so pretty much like, let's say, let me put it this way. I'll, I'll give you my, my, uh, my perspective on it because I think the way the routes that Ido Portal and Erwan Lacour take are in the sense that you're going outside. It's a good, thing but the shit outside is eventually gonna you're gonna you're gonna injure something just big dynamics that are going on i could i could break down the mechanics of it but the 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 route that they're taking things mechanically is not going to work so pretty much what i do in my gym is i work with people and i and i reroute the the poor associations that they have with uh with their muscles and how that relates to their movement now i that probably has to happen indoors because let's say if if, if i'm let's say 
people have a, have a force vector problem. So let's say when they walk, they when when you land, typically pretty much everybody everybody that I've ever seen this when they land, their body absorbs shock in a vertical plane. But when we're actually running or doing any forms of movement in life, if we're walking, we're running, we're doing anything like that, it actually runs in a horizontal plane. And in order for me to train somebody in a proper horizontal plane and regress the exercise to where anybody can do it, I need to have a pulley machine of some type. Now, if I put a pulley machine outside, it's probably going to uh, at some point the rust is going to become a problem and to, and even beyond that i have my facility in seattle washington and you know like most of the time people are not going to probably be wanting to exercise outdoors during that time my question is what am i going to do to try and would, would it make sense to just put a bunch of plants inside or like oh. i guess change the fluorescence uh -uh. Hey, is there anything i can do or am i pretty much fucked no, the one thing you could do is you could put like a nano wall. A nano wall is a retractable wall that actually would bring the outside in. I when I lived in Nashville, that's mm -hmm. what I had in my entire house. My whole man room had what, what is this called? Called a nano wall. N A N A. You can look okay. it up. They have they have both commercial and and uh, home applications. I mean, the simple thing that I just told Adam to do when he does this podcast: put the desk near the window and open the freaking window up. Technically, you invite the outside in. You know, to me, to me, it has to be done outside. And you know, when people tell me no, it has to be done inside. I'm like, okay, well, tell me where the gym was for humans uh, a million years ago. Where were the fuck? No, absolutely. The the key point is what I'm what I'm essentially doing is I'm trying to prepare it so if somebody does go outside or, or they go outdoors, they don't completely f they don't herniate a disc or they don't fucking blow their ACL while they're doing playing basketball See, outside or something like that. This is this will show you where our perspectives are different. I don't believe that people can do that when their redox potential is good. I don't care what they do. If their redox potential is good, the body is designed. The physics of the body is designed to be able to take those things and deal with them. The problem is when people get hurt, they get hurt because the redox in that tissue is not good. So does it make more sense to teach them the right things to do from your perspective, or does it make more sense to teach them how to get in that negative charge? Well, I've tested this on – You know what my answer is going to be, and I understand the perspective you're coming from. I think the smart move is to do a little bit of both. Yeah, and, that's what oh, I was absolutely. saying. Absolutely, I agree. I agree. I'm, 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 I'm in full agreement of both. But I mean, I'm, obviously, I'm going to tend to lean myself towards the biomechanics because I've tested this probably thousands of times, and I've seen the the conclusions that I make. That uh, the, the difference between a person blowing their ACL or not is whether their their knee rotates or whether their thoracic spine rotates. And a person with effective thoracic rotation is not going to blow out their knee, whether that's in a blue light, a uh, green light, or whatever. They won't yeah. blow their ACL if their T spine properly rotates. Now, what's that going to mean for other problems? Like well, their physiology, about, their about, digestion. Just think about what you said, though, with the thoracic rotation. What allows the, the thorax to rotate? It's the mitochondria within those cells in that part of the body. What are they paying attention to? That light that's in the environment. See, I need to bring you really to this fundamental level because everything you're saying I can agree with, but where you're missing the connection is you don't understand that the all the biomechanics, every last bit of it is tied to the light cycle that organism is in. In other words, all the rotation, all the mechanics are totally tied to the light that that animal is sensing at that particular time. So the point that I would make to you, yeah, but, but, but it's, it's, if, if that's, if that's the only that environment. Okay, so let, let me let me break it down this way. We're in outer space, and somehow we we've created an environment where there's no where there's no gravity. 
like gravity doesn't exist. There's no gravity. You're floating in space. At that point, if I shine light on a person in a no gravity zone, and if it, let's say it's the perfect full spectrum light, at that point, that the thoracic is not going to rotate because there's no place to truly leverage your pelvis unless you activate muscles in a particular way in that space there is no way to actually potentiate a thoracic rotation unless you create some kind of an anchor within yourself but again, now, again um, to, uh, to make sure you get this and this is the key our body is designed to work within the physics of this environment okay uh, i want to use your example i, I agree okay. really good I agree. here's I agree. what happens when we send astronauts into space they die they get weak as shit age faster and the reason why they age faster is because not only is the environment changed, but here's the key thing. The light that's up there, the sunlight that's up there is different than the sunlight that comes to Earth. And people don't realize that. The frequency, the spectrum up there, it's not collimated by the atmosphere. See, on Earth, all we have is visible light from 250 to 700 nanometers. Up there, it's the entire electromagnetic spectrum. And guess what's aging them, my friend? The fact that they're facing the entire spectrum, that's the problem. So I'm using your example, and I want you to understand all biomechanics, and I said this earlier, I'm going to tell you straight again, everything on this planet comes back to what? Light. Light no, light. I agree. I'm in, I'm in full agreement in, in that regard, but in the same token, at at some point, I'm trying to think of, okay, how am I going to take this information you, and you apply it? Naughty, Naughty, you mentioned that's something. That's the challenge. You mentioned something in your uh, in your statement real quick. That is, how can I take a novice person on a without a flat plane and teach them? And I think that's what's important because you're both are you both talk at such a high level in your field, and then you're both trying to have to dumb down what you do to bring a novice on it. Like you got to train on a flat surface so the the basic doesn't get it. I think what it boils down to is it, it boils down to this: it's what's more fundamental. And so for me, I'm I'm a fundamentalist in which I believe systems and how they correlate to their mechanics tends to be the dominant entity influencing human behavior and human physiology. And uh, I'd imagine that's fundamentalist in that regard where I'm thinking that's the root to the problem where I I would assume that uh, the Jack is maybe talking about it. Maybe that light is the, is the root cause of it. I I, obviously I agree with both of them. It's just light, water and magnetism. Those are the three, those are the three fundamentals of all things live, which light, water and magnetism. And you have to get okay. no. I, those those are the three. Everything starts there. See that the difference that we're talking about. The plane that you're on uh, is like the tenth floor of the building. Where I am, I'm in the basement at the ground floor. And we are saying the same thing. But I want to make sure that you understand. For you to be ultimately successful, really successful at what you're doing, you still teach people biomechanics. I got no issues with that. But I want you to figure out how to do it in nature. Once you teach them in the gym. Then you take them outside and say, "Okay, this is what we're going to do now." Okay. In other words, you're, it's 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 great to get instruction. It's kind of like what what I told you I did earlier in medical school. They put me in a stupid room, and I had to learn all this bullshit. But then you have to go out in the real world and do things. I'm telling you, no, of course. I mean, these are these are things that I do already. So it's, right. it's not it's not to say that I, that I don't do this already. So I'm not I'm I'm not. It's not that I'm. The whole, the whole purpose of what I do is not you go to the gym and you go work out. The whole thing is you come to the gym, you find out what's biomechanically fucked on your body. You undo the, the associated, I would just say, dysfunctions that you gain from our culture where we're predisposed to poor light, where we're predisposed to stressors, where we have sexual insecurities. We un- unravel that shit so then you can go outside and actually go do something with your body. So, I mean, 
I'm all you in. Do, you live in that. I mean, every time you're hitting me up, you're out and you're running around with your dogs somewhere out in nature, being in that place and and trying to get out there. Well, yeah. it depends. It depends on how on how close you want to come to perfecting your biomechanics. I mean, at the end of the day, like let's say if we're and here's a question that I actually have for you, Jack. Is let's say we have a so let's say we have people in Mexico and they really really shitty food, but then they do get light exposure. Let's say people who live on the beach. I've still known of people who've lived on the beach who've had plenty of sun exposure who still gotten cancer. So what exactly? Because I have family that have lived out there and they've still gotten cancer. They still had an assortment of different digestive disorders. I have family out there. So right. what what exactly is it that I got? I got yeah. asked this question by a medical student yesterday, and the answer was very simple: that you're you're making the same assumption that that the rest of medical sciences. You're not realizing that the things that you don't see hear, perceive, or taste are actually what's doing us in. And that's the key. Remember what I just said to you before about your example about the astronaut in space. When yeah. I said to you that the spectrum that he sees and you see here, I could see as soon as I said it to you, you're like, shit, I never thought about that. Well, guess what? No, absolutely. It's the same thing that is going on in Mexico. See, the like frequency- e- Are you talking like EMF, et cetera, yeah, the electromagnetic? I'm going to give you the I mean, no, these are These are people like Melaque is a place. Like these, these are areas where... There is not, we're not talking about a popular beach. We're talking about very, very secluded beaches. We're talking about areas where, where, where civilization has not gone fully into completely and they still deal with some kind of illness. Yeah. Well, you, you remember, you're not going to run away from aging and illness. Why? Because what does the science of mitochondria say? Every 10, every 10 years we live, your heteroplasmic rate gets worse. So, in other words, the amount of energy your Ferrari can make decreases that's that's why people die okay that that's built into the the system the key is health is the slowest form of death we create so what does that yeah, mean of course. that means that we need to shrink the the heteroplasty rate in mitochondria to make them work so what is the mitochondria paying attention to the waveforms in the environment so i'll give you for example that part of mexico compared to say the yucatan why is the yucatan uh, probably the healthiest place in the world to be for any modern human right now. Well, there's this hole in the ground that an asteroid hit, okay, 65 million years ago. All the cenotes that are around the rim in the Yucatan have five times the magnetic flux as it does in Arizona or where you are in San Diego. So if you took that person in the Yucatan and moved them to your private beach, do you think that the mitochondria would not sense the difference? Do you think people wouldn't um, have different diseases and different zip codes. In fact, you, you may be shocked to hear this, but you know that hospitals now know where the sickest people in San Diego come from because we are now tracking that. And here's the interesting thing. I think very soon people are going to realize that zip codes are tied to the amount of non-native EMF that we face in those. Oh, holy fuck. Oh, yes. Trust me. It's coming. And the reason why we're seeing this change, remember, the spectrum that humans are using have radically changed. And I want to go back to the example that I gave him before about his guy in space. We don't even realize how fast we're changing the spectrum around us. And we have no fundamental idea when you're not a mitochondriac that this is actually what's driving things. We blame it on this. We blame it on that. We blame it on tons of stuff instead of the core factors. And the reason why we're making no impact in public health is because we don't understand this. We don't understand how light drives these decisions. 
these choices. And when you say a decision to a mitochondria, you know what that's called? That's called quantum superposition. And it collapses the waveform it senses. See, we're all the way back to physics again. That's what a mitochondria fundamentally does. Just because your five senses, my friend, don't sense it doesn't mean it's not happening. See, absence of evidence is not absence of effect when it comes to the quantum world. This is something that is extremely difficult for biologists and people to understand until they get how we work. And that's what a mitochondria does. And I guess the point that I would like to make to you is I want you to examine your core beliefs. Um, It's a hard thing to do, but I'm going to tell you that you're going to be a way better guy teaching people when you realize, okay, I'm going to teach you this here, but we're going to go apply it, how we're designed to work in that environment. And you no, I, I, you have to realize I'm, I'm already doing this. So yeah, he, no, I, I get it. I'm, I'm trying to make the point for people who are listening to this. So oh, the, okay, okay, okay. I was like, yeah, I thought you were referring to this to me. I'm like, no, I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm already, I'm already on board. I'm just, I'm trying to do the best that I can. To, like, I'm, really, what I'm here to do, Jack, is I'm trying to do whatever I can to take this and use it the best I can. Like, really, another question that I wanted to ask you was, like, what the hell am I going to like? How? Let's say we, we, I have to be indoors because my business runs that way. I have a class, of course, or whatever it may be. I know you had mentioned you had mentioned that. Well, I'm gonna have to go back and uh, you said a Naga wall. I don't know. I don't remember what you called it. Naga wall. N A N A. wall. Okay, so I'm gonna have to buy that. I need to. I, so pretty much, I want to optimize. I mean, so people are gonna live in the city. No matter what, we're going to be living in the city and society's not going to change immediately. And for those of us that want to listen to you, who want to adjust ourselves so we don't completely fuck ourselves up in our life, what the hell can we do? Like, I'm already in the process of moving out of the city. I'm like already in the process of getting the hell out. I'm tired of all this EMS bombarding shit that I'm doing, all this blue light that's everywhere. I'm tired of all this crap. I'm, I'm trying to get away from it. But for those people that are out there that can't afford to do that because maybe their job is in the city or maybe they have to be in the city most of the time, what the hell can they do? Is Uh, is this a thing that has to be like structurally implemented into society and essentially people are going to have to suffer? Or is there some in order to learn their lesson or are there things that we can actually do to kind of counter the effects of all the shit that we're being bombarded by? I mean, what, what, like, do you have any recommendations as to what we can do for right now? Or are we pretty much fucked until we figure this out as a society? Well, the funny thing that you said, well, we pretty much have to live in cities. We have to do this. We have, no, we don't. That's a belief system. And yeah, I would tell you, I'll give you a, for example, I can't do neurosurgery uh, outdoors. So what do I do? For example, when I go to surgery uh, after my case, I go immediately outside, take my scrubs off. Now people in the hospital look at that and they're like, wow, why, why are you doing that? And I sit down and explain to him exactly why. I said, I just ruined myself for an hour in there, so now I need to refurbish myself. That's part of the for reason. how much time? Like how much time do you counter that? Let's say you've been as inside. Much time, as much time as I can get. And here's the thing. that okay. you, you made, you made, you made a, a statement well, about people can't afford to do this. You can't afford not to do it. Do you know why? Of course, I what's agree. The most, I agree. What's the most valuable thing that all three of us have? Time. Or help. Time. Dude. Oh, time. Okay, okay, yeah. Think about it. We're trying to create more time for people. Well, if you read my time series, you know what the – all through the 24 blogs, you know what the, the key take-home is? Light makes time. Mm. Light. 
And the light that we allow, when I say light, I'm not just talking about the sun. I'm talking about the fake light, the man-made light, the altered spectrums that we have. The more of that you got, the less time you get. It's that simple. And and I'm going to tell you, I know that my ideas for you guys may be a tough pill to swallow, but I'm, I'm going to try to explain this to you simply by a couple of quick statements. And I hope you, I hope it, you get it and it resonates with the listeners. Mankind has, has not woven the web of life, my friend. We are all just one thread in that web. And whatever we do to the web, we do to ourselves. All things in nature are bound together. And all things connect in few ways that most people understand. And really the tragedy of our time, the modern world, is that we have a monoculture of ideas. All thinkers are forced to believe the same bullshit. And... What we don't realize today is that this slow-moving mitochondrial poison is quietly buried at the heart of our technology. It's becoming more venomous as exposure rates continue to explode exponentially. And let me just tell you something. The more we embrace it, the more it's going to cause us problems. And that's the reason why just about every study you read, when people go out camping and they come back, they magically get better and nobody seems to know why. Well, I can tell you why, because they're reconnected with the things, how you're designed to work. That mitochondria is designed to work in nature. And my take home is very simple. Reconnect with what you're designed to work with. An example, when you plug the iPhone in, when it runs out of juice, it fills back up. Well, you're designed to plug in the earth and plug into the sun and do the things that you do that way. And your job is to do that more than you do other things. If you do that, you're going to be fine. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. I, I can't sit here and be more happy. I'm going to little do a shameless plug here that I pulled down my first book and now put out the second book and have included now the Aguilar and you, Dr. Jack Cruz. Um, pretty uh, immensely throughout the book. There was part of the reason that uh, a competence creator such as y'all selves needed to be included in what I was writing. And, you know, you talk about core beliefs, Jack. And for me, I write from that psychology mental health perspective is that what we believe creates what we think, which creates what we feel. And most of us, as we've all really discussed here, is most people aren't willing to question what they believe. They just think what they think and go on with the feelings and behaviors. And I know two men sitting in front of me right now You talking about in the beginning that at 40 years old, question those beliefs, even though much as it hurt. And Naudi himself, as I did a video about him yesterday without him knowing, is this man is continuously questioning everything he believes, everything he thinks works, and he's in the lab doing it. And you mentioned Naudi on the 10th floor in the basement. And really what I see is the basement of what you're talking about. Naudi in the physical world, right above that, talking about our biomechanics. And in my ass, playing around in some mental world up here, perception that we all create. And with all three of us coming on, I, I mean, dude, I, to have three of us sit in a room and actually feel each other's oh. energy and talk and, and ex- experience the biomechanics for Jack to do that and, and then l- let us experience the light ideas. Like, I'm, and I see three generations here almost like I, this is fucking amazing to me, Jack. And, uh, and, and now he like, oh, just, I love you motherfuckers, man. No, 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 no. At, you at do the end of the day, work. I mean, at the end of the day, I couldn't give two shits about me being wrong. I just want to be healthy. That's why I got into this to begin with. It's like, I, I, I came into 
trying to fix my body from being a, a, a bodybuilder idiot. And now I'm, I could potentially be a complete biomechanics idiot too. I'm all for being proven wrong. I don't give a shit. I just want to be healthy for myself. Forget everybody else. I just want to make healthy decisions and keep stable, uh, functional physiology. So it's nothing, nothing that I'm saying, nothing that, uh, that Jack, that you've set up until this point, really nothing is offensive. I'm like, you're trying to help me. So I, I don't, I don't take any offense to if, if there is something more foundational, I'd imagine what you're saying is more foundational. You're smarter than I am, and you have a better understanding of the actual physics of it. So I so I can't argue with you. It's ultimately it. I'm just trying well, to think I, of I my I, I stupid want, ass. I don't want you to. I don't want you to feel that way. I actually want you. Um, I don't. I don't think I'm. No, and I don't. I don't at all. Absolutely not. Than anybody else, I actually just think <clears throat> that 12 years ago, I became a much better observer. I think the paradigm that I came from, what, what trained me in my eyes, I, I allowed it to usurp my ability to observe. And I would tell you that we all, all three of us have to go back and, and examine almost every day how we really observe things. And, you know, one of the things we started this podcast with, you guys asked me about like how things change for me. You have to realize the, the healthcare paradigm for the last 150 years built by Rockefeller and and that Flexner report in 1911, we have a dynasty right now. And that dynasty has to fulfill their destiny. And paradigms, medical paradigms, are a lot like dynasties. And paradigms have to enforce their dynasty. Mm -hmm. And nature, nature's a different kind of deal. And the reason why is life and health is nature's dynasty. And the par that paradigm in nature often stands at odds with the manufactured dynasties that man creates. And with nature, everything is hitched to everything else. It couldn't be any other way. And nature simply is, therefore, nature has to be unified to us. And humans are unwilling to delete dogmatic dynasties because of confirmational bias and, and cognitive dissonance. And these biases that most people believe that the paradigm is correct. The design is correct. And the crazy thing is modern complexity is based on retained, isolated, outdated paradigms held together by bullshit, uh, <laughs> rationalizations, equations, power, prescriptions, and propaganda. And mm -hmm. the truth is always simpler than that. And the truth really is out that window and out this window. That's Hey, hey guys. My my phone is about to die. I can't tell you what a what an honor and a privilege it is to even be uh even on this call with you, uh, Doctor Jack Cruz. I, I really thank you for everything that you're doing. My I, I wish I could stay long. My damn my phone's gonna die at some point. I just wanted to thank you in advance. Um, I'm I'm gonna. I just wanted to thank you for everything that you're doing, and thank you, Adam, for even uh for even setting this up. Um, I I really appreciate what you're doing. It it really resonates with me because. So much of what I'm doing in my career really, really does collide with with the uh, with the established field of physical therapy, chiropractic, obviously the the strength and conditioning, and the, the amount of shit that one has to intake as a result of questioning these paradigms is is pretty astronomical. I can't imagine what the kind of shit you're going through in terms of the medical field of which you're in. And uh, I mean, I, I just appreciate everything that you're doing in general. And I, I just, I'm, at some point, I'm going to end up dropping out of this call. And I just wanted to take time to to let you know that I appreciate your efforts, man. And I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm reading your book right now. So like I said, I'm going to do my best that I can to, to educate myself. But until then, I guess, I, I guess my ass got to get outside a lot more. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Okay. Well, th thank you very much. Dude, right. you were, you were dropping a rampage right there, Jack Cruz about the paradigms and shifts. And I'm over here. Like I'm shaking, like, 
fuck yeah i mean that that's truly the transition i think all three of us are really pointing at is the the pointing out those mundane constructs that we hold on to it to believe you sound like my native american people jack i mean i i I, I often tell people that the native americans were the last true wild humans you know and and i would tell you when i think about the uh, american indians especially I always, this thing always comes into my mind that it's always better to walk alone with the, than in a crowd going in the wrong direction. That's, yeah, no kind the, that's kind of what the white man and the Indian kind of did. They were savages, remember? And I'm yeah. kind of like, let's see how the zoo animals turned out, you know, this 200 years later. <laughs> it's just amazing to me that we all suffer, you know, from this. And I think... I think that's the real power when people maybe go back and listen to this podcast and maybe turn off the video and just listen to the words and what we say, we just all need to really understand that the optic that we see things through is probably our biggest problem. And if you can really examine that about yourself, dude, you're going to be great because you're going to, you're going to deconstruct the things that you always believe. I mean, I do it every day. Yesterday for me, it was a big deal going back and seeing all those young medical students and talking to them and being in the, in the place that actually schooled me. And I told them, I said, one of the key things that happened in this very room was seminal information. That's part of my blog about how the eye clock works. And I said, you know, when I learned that from Dr. Bazan, I didn't have a clue how to apply it. It took me 25 to 30 years later. I said, but guess what? That event happened in this room. And I said, if I was smart enough back then, I would have realized it. And see, I wasn't a really good observer back then. I, I could take the information in, but I had no way to use it. I said, today I'm coming back to you and telling you exactly how to use that information. I said, it's up to you now to decide what to do with it. You know, that's what a good teacher does, man. A good teacher does it, it. They teach you things, but they don't tell you what to see. And guess what? Really bad teachers, they tell you what to see. It's kind of like putting the news on. They tell you what you want to hear. And the most obedient idiots believe it. The key is understanding the same thing is true with education. And they have to teach us certain things, but we need to realize what's really important and what's not. What's not based around our biology those are the things that all of us need to subtract. Mm. Well, all I'm getting is confirmation. I wrote one hell of a fucking book. <laughs> all I'm saying, I'm just putting it out there, man. I'm sorry. Talking about questioning beliefs and core beliefs, man. I'm just like, oh, fuck yeah. Oh, man, I'm feeling good, man. Personal conference. I'll sell three Absolutely. books. I don't Preaching give a shit. Absolutely. over here, man. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm all in with, uh, like I said, I'm all in with this with this new push on uh, on looking. I'm, at the end of the day, I'm just trying to be healthy. I I, I I mean, I care about other people and helping other people, but I'm I, I'm a selfish person. I think everybody, at some to some degree, has to operate that way. And I think if we're all healthy, we're all going to tend to treat each other better anyway. So my my perception is, I'm just trying to become healthier, and I I couldn't give two fucks if something collides with my beliefs. If it's going to make me healthy, I don't give a fuck. That's hey, I, t- I, I'll I'll tell both of you guys this when you guys are both talking there. I got this like visual in my head. I'll just share it with you. I mean, what what do I do now at 52 years old? I'm a dragon slayer, bro. I slay dragons that most people never noticed or feared before because it's more advantageous than solving the problems that you're most frustrated with. Hey, man, that's, that's my lucky number, brother. 52 is my lucky number. Uh-oh. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like looking at it from that standpoint. I guess that's the dragon in us. All of us have that dragon of, of observation, and we need to, you know, always put Windex on the glass eyes. 
Hell yeah, I'm down. Well, guys, my my phone's about to die, and it, I, I'd rather just rather than get cut off. I just want to thank you, Adam. I appreciate you even having me on, uh, Doctor Jack Cruz. Seriously, I appreciate you uh, even answering any of my questions and even just giving the insight. I've I've already. I'm gonna have to go back and watch this again just to make sure that I even extract some of the shit you were saying. But there, there, I, I went through some pretty. This is a great experience, and I, and I just thank you so much for even uh, allowing me to be a part of this. No Both problem. Any time. It was fun. Thank you very much. You guys take care. All all right. Right. As always, brother. I'll see you soon, Jack. If for you sure. would, man, I got a few questions for you, man. Uh, if it's all right. Yeah. All right. Um, I, I told the uh, some of the tribe guys and girls out there to ask some stuff uh, on on a post. So I wanted to. Uh, well, try to pull that post up if I could, and they have posted some questions. I know you're pretty good at uh, kind of the the quick uh, answers as well. Don't feel like you need to elaborate or anything. Um, and I told people I start at the top. Um, let's see, let's see. Uh, how much of a negative impact can poor circadian rhythm have on posture, or vice versa? And that comes from Eric Fox. Huge. Oh, I love it. <laughs> um, let's see. Sagar, uh, Sagar Bath wanted to ask, have you tried Wim Hof's 10 course or not? And if so, what kind of benefits uh, did he get on top of what he's already doing? Uh, I actually came up with the cold stuff um, probably before Wim was actually pretty popular um, on the internet. Uh, him and I do pretty much the same things. I, I would say the the difference between him and I is that I – get into the science behind why cold works. I think uh, Wim does more things by feel, by intuition. Uh, do I think uh, what he and I both talk about cold, is it congruent? The answer is yes. Beautiful. Uh, from Dale Neiman, uh, what are ways to measure blue light, red light exposure and its effects on the body? Uh, the same goes for CT. Uh, wants to be able to show people the benefits and results without them being ignorant or seeming ridiculous. Well, I mean, I'll give you a couple here. The simple one is plant the tree in your backyard, put a tarp over it, okay? Tell me how the tree does. That's how you can get it to a skeptic pretty easy. Second way is put the same person <clears throat> in clothes, leave them outside and see how well they do and check their labs. Now, if you really want to be a mitochondriac, things that we do, you know that I built this uh, device called the Quantlet, which actually adds <clears throat> light joules per second into your body through the radial artery. In fact, it's right over there charging up right now because I'm getting ready to use it after talking to you. But what you can do is when you add light energy to your body, either whether you're in the sun or if you use a device like the Qualit or the V-Light or any of the other things that are out there, uh, you can use a camera called a gas discharge camera. It's called a GDV camera. So when we had our people over um, uh, for our Qualit users group in Mexico, we actually put them on before and after this camera, and we were able to show them the change in energy after we added light energy back to their body. And for those of, of you who don't believe it, think about what Adam and I talked about before, about chloroplast, they do the same thing a leaf, and hemoglobin in us is what happens. When sunlight hits our skin, Adam, 40 to 60% of the, the circulatory volume come to the surface. That's why we get pink. And the reason that happens is sunlight is designed to release nitric oxide in your skin. Nitric oxide is a vasodilator. It brings up hemoglobin to be irradiated by all frequencies of the sun, which on this planet is 250 to 700, as we said before. And it turns out that the main protein in hemoglobin is, is iron porphyrins. Okay, that's what hemoglobin is. So if you look at a porphyrin molecule, you'll notice that it absorbs all frequencies of, of light in the visible spectrum. 
that's how you bring light to your mitochondria to do the things that it does. So it's easy to see you, another way you can do it for the, the answer. I should say the questioner is check your vitamin D low. If you're naked on the equator, your vitamin D level should be pretty good. But if say, if you live in Arizona where the, the, the sun is pretty strong and your vitamin D level is low, that immediately tells you that you're not assimilating light. So what did I tell you? The answer was earlier, you're dehydrated. Why are you dehydrated? Because there's some kind of electromagnetic environmental problem dehydrating you at some level, and you cannot make that isomerization step, therefore your D crashes. That's another point where you're not getting uh, light assimilation. And this is how things work. And when you understand the steps, then you also, you get smarter. You just just start to realize, shit, this is really all about capturing light. Um, There's many different ways to check it. Uh, I would also tell the listener, if you want to go back and look at my Redox RX blog, I've got 30 different lab tests that you can use. So if you want, go draw your own blood, you can see. But I think the most accurate way today for the mitochondria uh, or someone who's purchased a Quanlet, do a before and after with a GDV camera, and you'll, you'll be able to see what the difference is. Oh, I've written that down. That's next on the, on the, uh, <laughs> I'm writing all this shit down, man. Um, let's see a few more, if that's all right. Yeah, I got no problem. I mean, I, the, the crazy thing was I try to keep that one short, but I wanted to give that person multiple different ways that they yeah. could, you know, hack it. Definitely, man. Uh, well, blue light always have the same damaging effects, even if somebody has a more balanced physiology. Um, yeah, that's basically it. Well, I would tell you, here's the thing that I want people to understand, because I think this is a good question, but I I need to go into this a little bit more. Blue light isn't always bad, okay? Blue light in the morning uh, is actually particularly good. It's what turns the pituitary gland on and allows the hormones to be released properly. But here's the key. The amount of blue light we're using, and I'll try to give you, for example, when the sun rises, the color temperature, and if you don't know what color temperature is, just Google it. You'll learn a little bit. Color temperature of AM uh, light is 800 Kelvin. I'm sorry, 1800 Kelvin. The blue light that's on Adam's screen right now on my screen is 5700. So let me ask you a question. Is 5700 the same as 1800? So that means putting your computer on at sunrise, you're getting four times the amount of blue light at that time. Do you think that doesn't have an effect? Well, think about this podcast and all the things we said about light. Got it? Now, the obedient idiot also listening to this that doesn't understand that looking at your cell phone 150 times a day, which is what millennials usually do, yes, I've done that biohack, that reduces your melatonin. So when you want to know why y'all young guys can't sleep, you want to know why your sperm count's bad, get the damn phone out of your front pocket. If you girls don't want to have kids, keep putting uh, the cell phone in your pocket so it ruins your ovulatory cycle, which is based on what? Light cycles. Everything. Holy fuck me, man. You're, you're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls. Uh, all right, I'm going to see if I can. I'm just, I just want people to no, Actually, no, you're saving me, Smalls, I should say. Yeah, you're not killing me, Smalls. I'm no, so but you, you actually are right when you said that. I am killing you because you're beginning to start to realize just how ubiquitous this is. See, remember we talked before about putting Windex on the glass eyes? It's good that we're talking about this and just doing rapid fire because people are going to understand that all these little things add up to big things. See, when you understand physics, and I'll try to not make this too science-y, what is our biology based around? So based, based around nonlinear crystals. And nonlinear crystals work with light. Remember I told you this whole thing about light is a big deal? Everything 
when I say nonlinear, it means one plus one doesn't equal two. It actually can equal four or six in the body. That's actually the effect of optics in the, in the body. And that's the reason why small little stimulus, like that little bit of UV you get, actually can make all the difference in the world. That's why even going three or four days camping makes a huge difference. But humans don't get it. And the corollary to that is every time the fucking idiots do this, you got a problem. Every time we podcast, we got an issue. So why do I tell people when you do these things, you need to reconnect with how you're built? I don't care if you understand all the science, just do it. Well, I'm headed to, after this. When we hang up, the car is packed. I'm going to Sedona for the weekend, man. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking out of here, man. Like uh, They're waiting on me, man. Um, um, I didn't leave the screen. I just wanted to go get the quantlet so you guys can see it. I had it charging. And I could probably turn it on. So I don't know how good you can see the interior of this, but there's the thermoelectric coupler. It's what cools the radial artery. You can see there's one up here and one down there. It goes right across here. And then when I turn this sucker on, it runs a default program. And I think some of the lights will come on so you'll be able to see it. Well, it's not coming on now. It may not be totally charged, but anyway, that, that's how that's how podcasting works, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the thing is, if people are interested in that, I would tell some of your listeners that if they know they're heavy tech users, you know, by virtue of their job or this and that, the Quanlet is designed to augment the mammalian battery. So, in other words, when we're doing bad shit, that's another way for you to add back light when you can't, you know, be outside. And I always tell people it's never a replacement for sunlight. What it's designed to do is allow us to live in this environment we've created, kind of what we talked about on the podcast. Um, is it good enough? No, it's not good enough, but is, is this a whole shitload better than coffee? Is it a whole lot better than supplements? In my opinion, it is. Why? Because it's based on light. And I think after this podcast, most of your listeners probably have a little bit better understanding why I say that now. Yeah, I know. I know I do. I've been deeper in it, man. Uh, there's a couple that, uh, actually speak to me too, because this idea of, uh, me thinking or experiencing, uh, uh, hype, uh, being hypoglycemic, et cetera, and, oh, and misdiagnosed multiple times. And, um, it was, uh, Nicholas John here, um, or Nick, he, uh, can you speak to the effects of light therapy and the thyroid functioning and what sort of protocols would you recommend for someone who believes they're experiencing hypothyroidism? Uh, yeah, well, hypothyroidism is, is, uh, is absolutely related to the inability to turn the, the anterior pituitary on. It's usually from a lack of light. So the number one thing I tell those people to do is actually make sure you see the sunrise every morning. And when I, when I tell you to look in the direction of the sun, AM sun, you can look directly at it. Uh, but as the sun rises, like here within the first probably 20, 30 minutes, you need to go 20 degrees off the, the meridian so you don't blind yourself. But if you do that, that actually tells the brain it's the eye clock starts. In other words, okay, the sun rose. This is when we need to release this hormone, this one, this one. And guess where it comes from? Well, it comes from this frequency changes because guess what? AM sunlight doesn't have all the frequencies in it. In other words, it doesn't have UVA. It doesn't have UVB, but it's loaded with blue, green, yellow, orange, and red. And the red and the blue are the key for turning the pituitary on. And most of your listeners may not know this, but the anterior pituitary is what houses the thyroid hormone. That's what makes T3 and T4. 
um, well, it's actually TSH that controls T3 and T4 here in the thyroid, but it's a thermostat and it's a light thermostat. And if you don't get the light right, it's not good. Now you can use light boxes, which people at high latitudes do, uh, you know, for SAD and things like that. But by far the best thing to do, if you've got mental or cognitive issues, in my opinion, is to get to a high light environment and, and really start to use natural solar therapy to help you. And there's tons of data out there. Is, do does it. the same go for hypoglycemia in the reverse? Oh yeah. Well, hypoglycemia comes because you're, you're leptin resistant at the liver level, meaning that you cannot generate as much nutrients from the mitochondria in your liver. That that's a whole other separate podcast that would probably blow your mind, but there's a big effect there. When you're uh, leptin resistant at the liver level, there's this long loop that connects to the eye. Most people have the short loop is out. That means you can't put DHA in this semiconductive circuit that goes between the retina, the supercosmotic nucleus, and then the leptin receptor. Well, that's designed to generate a DC electric current. So what am I basically saying to you is when you're hypoglycemic, it tells me that this system here doesn't work as good, so you can't generate as much electric current to turn on the compound frequency or compound pharmacy that's in your pituitary, hence you get you know, hypothyroid or hypoglycemic because it, it, there's not enough juice in the system. So what do I do? do? Juice back, bro. You know, take your shoes off, connect to the earth, and get in the sun, dude. When ah, oh, fucking shit. So this makes light sensitivity and all the like because I'm sensitive to light sometimes, and it fucks with me. Like fluorescent lighting, dude. For longer time, I get dizzy if it trips well, me that's out. The flicker, that's the flicker effect, Adam. I don't know if you've read some of my work on yeah, lighting. yeah, the flicker light. How it's constantly yeah. this. We just, just don't that, see it. That that, and I will tell you, most people who their anterior semiconductive pathway that I always teach people about, that's the central retinal pathway. That's probably the single most important uh, quantum mitochondriac thing that people have to learn. You have to optimize that. If that is not optimized, you can't, you really almost can't fix anything else because that's, we're designed to assimilate light really two ways through our eye and also through our skin. And we fuck the skin up all the time because of this shit uh, called clothes. And then other people do it worse with, you know, sunblock and shit. But the, the main thing is our eye is huge. Contacts, glasses, all that stuff, it's bad news. So, like, when I go out, this is what I do. I put my glasses down like that. Like I did this morning when I was walking to the levee to go see the sunrise. And the, the key thing is you when you do that, I like on Bourbon Street right now, this time, this time of the day, the sun is now directly overhead. But this morning when I was out, I have to work walk on one side of the street because the sun's there. Well, I go there. And the reason I'm doing that, I'm actually doing training of my – central retinal pathway. And I'm realizing I'm doing this. Dude, but 40 years below, you know, and below, I had no clue about this. No. You you brought me to tears, Jack. I got to be honest, man. I'm like hiding my vaclimpness over here. Um ever since I got to Arizona, I changed my rhythm to staying up late night, etc. and I get up every morning at about 5:36, a little before the sun, man. And uh I was I was having terrible attacks, man. I, w- I was bad, dude. I was in the hospital three times, man. Stroke coded me once. Uh, some doctors like, oh, you have anxiety. That's what you have. Uh, another one, dehydration. Then another one wanted to do a... Uh, well, dehydration e- may have been right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then another one was... Uh, e- they wanted to do an e- uh, EGG or a... Uh, yeah, EEG. EEG, sorry. Let's see if you had seizures or something like that. 
Yeah, and I got to Arizona, changed the clock, get up every morning, do the sunrise just like I did out front. Brother, not one issue. I've eaten carbs like a motherfucker. I ate sweet potatoes this morning. I've had no issue since I've just been out getting in the light, man, and getting away from that. that. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I mean, the cool thing is what you just did, Adam, for the people listening, you just did. You just shared a biohack or a mitohack. That's kind of the things that we all need to do. And, and what was the key determining factor for you? And you didn't realize it, but you, you now understand a little bit better why, why it happened. Yeah. All, all those kids with ADHD, all those kids, you know, with autism, listen, I'm, I'm just going to tell you straight up, it's all related to altered light spectrum frequencies that are around these kids. Nothing pisses me off more than the autism speaks people who say, oh, blue is our color of awareness. Now that's bullshit. That's actually what's making those kids sicker. And when you put them in an iPad right in their face, yeah, it shuts them up, but all you're doing is lowering their dopamine level and making them stupider and making them more autistic. And oh, I, I've told oh. people, I've told people so many times that when I see an autistic family give a kid an iPhone or an iPad, it's equivalent to seeing them kick the shit out of a kid in the middle of Walmart in front of an audience. And the problem is none of us realize it because they don't have this perspective. And, you know, some people listening to this may say, Jack, I can't believe what you just said. You know, that, that's kind of harsh. Yeah, it is harsh because it's fucking true. And, yeah. and here's the problem. Until people get to this point to understand that we can fix these problems once we understand the physics of organisms, then I'll shut up. But until don't, then. You don't, can't, don't. brother. You can't. And I won't let you anyway. You can't. Oh, man. I'm, can I feed a couple more of the tribe members, man? There's a yeah, lot no. of questions. There's a yeah. lot of them. Um, you talked about, let's see, the, the thyroid functioning, the hypoglycemia for sure. Um, uh, there was more. Hyper- just, just to finish up, just to finish up that thyroid thing, I, I just thought of something while we're sitting here. Um, because he did ask about circadian cycles, I'll try to give give you a one sentence kind of thing that's just popped into my head. Cells without circadian cycles impedes the dynamics at the tissue level organization. So when cells organize, life doesn't agonize. Mm. Dropping bombs for us, man. Uh, Sagar was back again. Uh, is there any certain setting or number we should have our blue light filters at, whether it's on a laptop, phone, light, bulb, etc.? Uh, in my opinion, it should be blocked uh, 100% of the time. The reason why is for what I told you. The, the most optimal time for you to look at a computer is actually at noon because that's the color temperature. Is The color temperature of noon light sunlight is 5,700 Kelvin. That's what your computer stays at unless you modulate it. Here's the other bad news we haven't talked about. When you modulate it, say using the shit like night shift or all the stuff that's on the iPhone or the computer, that yeah. actually induces flicker. Anytime you modulate a light frequency, you, you're bringing other problems to bear, which most people don't understand. So what I tell people, the smartest thing to do, if you're going to be on the computer, for every hour you're on the computer, try to get five minutes of sunlight. That, that's what I tell my patients in the office. Yeah. Uh, if you can do more, you do more. And even going out for 10 or 15 minutes, like, you know, you probably work with people or your listeners probably work with people who smoke. Well, you know what you should do? If they let people go out and smoke, you, you say, well, I'm going out to smoke with them. You don't have to smoke. All you have to do is go out and get in sun and nobody needs to know what the hell you're doing. We should have sun breaks made all legal at, uh, at jobs, implemented well, I, sun breaks. I, I, I'll be honest with you. My, my girls in my office, I, I actually force them to go out and eat lunch. And that's part of the thing. And they, they always get upset at me because I never eat lunch. Um, and I tell them all the time, I said, 
I'm going to get coffee. And they let, and my nurse looks at me, she goes, you don't drink coffee. What the hell? I said, I'm going outside to get some sun. I mean, you know, it's kind of our code word. She knows exactly what I'm getting because what, why do people drink coffee? They drink coffee because they need energy. Well, guess what? I'm going outside to get my coffee. My coffee's called sunlight. Man, I've dealt with a lot of, in my mental training and counseling, tons of medical professionals that deal with major, major depression, mood swings, anger, those 12-hour off and on shifts, the overnight shifts. That's the thing that destroyed me. That's part of the reason why I got to the point where I was 360 pounds, you know, in 2003, 2004. I mean, I know that's what hurt me. And the key is that's why I'm trying to change these things. That's why I come on podcasts and I try to help people understand just how fundamental light, water, and magnetism is. And when you get to that level, and I think you listen to a podcast like this, you begin to understand just how incredibly unobservant we are of the things that we allow. And mm-hmm. when you pay attention to it, you can change things. And here's the greatest thing about sunlight. You don't need a ton of it to get better. You know, I'm not telling people you need to go on the middle of the equator, stand naked, and burn yourself to a crisp. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, what I'm saying is you have to proportion what you get based on the lifestyle you have. So if you're a fucking guy that's always on the computer or you're a neurosurgeon always in the OR, you need to do more than other people, you know, and you need to think about it like that. A lot of people don't think about it like that. And that's part of the reason why I do these things because I want them to get this perspective because I think when I talk uh, on, in a podcast form and we're just having conversational uh, discussions, it's easier than reading one of my blog posts. One of my blog posts is designed to split your head open to real, is make you realize yeah. that there's a lot of science to what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. That was difficult, man. <laughs> they are difficult, but I, I, uh, a few more, man. Is, is there any, it's kind of two parts. Uh, Michael Kareem was asking what your thoughts on veganism was. And then I had a question to add to that is, is there certain water I should avoid and certain water that I should drink? Yeah, I, I would say veganism, in my opinion, is a, uh, a form of religion. Therefore, I'm really not into it. Uh, now, when you talk about nutritional therapy, uh, veganism is, a, I think, a nutritional dogma that mimics calorie restriction. And I think if you stay vegan long enough, you're going to destroy your mitochondria eventually. And it's going to lead to some significant problems. I think veganism for people with destroyed mitochondria is actually a prescription for disaster. Do I think if you have good mitochondria that you can be a vegan for a really long time? Yeah, I, I, it's kind of what I told you before about the Ferrari and the Nissan Sentra. I, I, the fuel is really not the most important part, but the key part of food um, comes down to DHA, meaning seafood. If you could just add seafood to a vegan diet, Jack Cruz will stamp that. That's the key. You need to to always replenish the short and long loop that's in your eye. That's that runs the eye clock, and that's the, the DHA, clock. right, bro? And that and the key there is that eye clock is the key to light assimilation in our body. And that's a big deal for me dealing with hypoglycemia. Correct. That's which that. is why I fucking love seafood. Like, I've eaten it my whole life. I'm a fisher diver from Florida, man. I like that's I love that shit. Yeah, but when your brain doesn't work good and the long and short loop are broken, like you said, because they clearly are, that's why you eat so much of it, because your brain is trying to tell you, we need to do this because you're not changing the other things you're doing that are destroying that anterior pathway. So that's why I want vegans to know, because a lot of vegans think that I'm anti-vegan. I'm really not. It's just a really, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dogma. Just like, you know, hot, just like paleo is a dogma, 
um, the reason paleo is a little bit more right than veganism is because paleo uh, espouses grass-fed meat. Why is that smart? Because grass has DHA in it. That's the only reason why paleo works, bro. And, <laughs> and, and people don't understand these fundamentals because they never get down to the level that I try to talk at. So as long, and, and I know there's going to be some vegan listening to this game. Wait, I take Actually, oh. the guy who asked the question was like, I was hoping he put some holes in this veganism bullshit. <laughs> yeah, well, it it kind of is, but there's a lot of vegans that ask me the number one question I get asked. I got asked this yesterday by an Indian doctor uh, about algae. Is it the same? And I'd say, no, remember algae is designed to be eaten by seafood, meaning fish that swim in the sea. And, and we one, the reason for that is algae do have DHA, but guess what? The DHA is in a specific atomic um, uh, arrangement. It's called SN1 and 3. How humans use DHA, it has to be in the SN2 position. And for those of you who want to know what that means, all fats in humans have a glycerol backbone, meaning three carbons. So just think about another carbon down below. SN2 is the middle position. That's what gets put into the central and peripheral nervous system. That's the key to running the eye clock in you. So you need the fish to eat the algae, and then the fish structure it into SN2, eat the fish, and that's how it works. And that's also the reason why fish oil is an epic epic fail for most people. Holy fucking shit, man. Uh, last two questions that I got pulled up. Actually, two I wanted to know about for sure is I don't. I've never worn sunscreen. I stay away from it. I'm an outdoor boats guy anyway. I've, I've pretty much stayed away. But uh, Alex was asking here on the tribe, um, kids and sunscreen. What do you do? And his question is two parts. Uh, kids and sunscreen. What do you do? And you talk about Wait, hormones. Let's, with let's answer that first. Okay. Kids and never sunscreen. Do what you do. It's called shade. Next. <laughs> he said, you talk about T hormones. What happens with females covered in makeup? Oh, dude, that's, it's, they have UVA protectors in it. Uh, so you, any place a girl wears makeup these days is blocked. You're blocking all UV and UVB. And here's the other crazy thing that people don't know. Uh, women who wear a lot of makeup tend to get something called melasma. Melasma is darkening of the skin. The other thing that women get, um, is if they spend a lot of time in front of blue light, blue light actually darkens the skin more. So, yeah, believe it or not, the ladies that have, especially older ladies that have melasma, they don't realize that it's a lack of sunlight you get it from. And it's usually because they're always putting shit on their face that actually block the solar spectrum. Remember I told you we're designed to get 250 to 700. So somebody who's got melasma usually lives in a world where it's probably more like 400 to 700. So they're missing, you know, completely. all that dark eyeshadow, fake eyelashes, yeah, all that. They have, if you actually see a woman and they take their ma makeup off, almost all of them have blotches on their skin. And the reason why is we see it in the South all the time. Cause somebody tells you, Southern women never take their uh, makeup off, you know, around anyone unless you're married to them. And that was one of the big things with my wife. I got uh, my wife off all makeup. And I mean, if you met her, you know, she's older than me. She's 15. She's going to be 50, I think 58, 59 in June. And every woman that meets her, like, your skin is ridiculous. And she goes, yeah, it's because I'm out in the sun with my husband all the time. It does it, man. It's the beach girls, right? They always <laughs> look better. I think we've covered a lot. Uh, some uh, Actually, Eric was talking about being around 5G, moving to Austin. Whether Bad news. I mean, I'm just going to tell you, we're at, 5G is going to get rolled out in certain cities. You need to avoid those cities, and if and if you do happen to live in the city, then you you may want to get yourself a Quanlet. You may want to get yourself a cool tub. You you you're gonna need to do some different stuff because I'm just gonna tell you, especially if you got a mental illness, 
dude, it's going to explode. I mean, it's going to make autism way worse. It's going to, it's going to have so many different effects, but if you need to avoid as much as you can upgrading your phone, um, a lot of people won't like this, but I mean, my phone, believe it or not, I think it's still an iPhone four. And, um, I refuse to change. I never, right now I get 2g and 3g signals because of the phone, because guess what happens? We change every time the iPhone changes, it changes the antenna in there and the RF and microwaves are the key thing in communications that are really hurting us. And if, if any of your listeners really want to get my true opinion, on RF because I've written a lot of good stuff about it. Just go on my Dr. Jack Cruz Facebook page or and and put in a Google box RF and Jack Cruz and you'll be overwhelmed by the information that you get. Oh man, I love it. Actually, um Alex posted one that I that kind of sparked my interest is uh the the moon reflects the light of the sun and also has electromagnetism. What are the effects and are they different? Well wow, that's a great question. You, you know the word Adam lunatic? Guess where it came from? That's why <laughs> The Luna is, is what moon means. So anytime when the, the moon is really bright, that's when the lunatics came out. Why? Because more blue light came in at nighttime. I mean, and the, the answer, ERs do build up, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's very known, well-known document, but the problem is people don't realize where it came from. So like I had a medical student say to me, well, prior to 1893, we didn't have these problems. I said, oh yeah, what about full moons? And she just looked at me when I said it and she goes, well, I never thought about it. I said, that's the whole point of why I'm giving this lecture. It's to make you realize there's so many different things that we don't think about okay. that actually link to this. And here's something in nature that actually can hurt you. Uh, <clears throat> you know, not everything in nature. You know, tobacco grows in nature, too. doesn't mean it's good for you, you know. Uh, and I try to explain that to people that you need to really use your discriminating power to understand it. But it's a great point that the person made up. Most people know the word lunatic. They don't even know where it comes from. It comes from full moons and blue light reflecting off the sun. So <clears throat> most of the time I'm going to tell you it's okay. But if you happen to have that night, make sure you go out with your, your glasses. I was going to show you my blue blockers that I wore last night, but that's all you do on a, a, a night like that. Make sure you have them with you. Jack, man. I love the shit out of you, brother. Thanks for doing what you're doing, man. Thank you. No problem, you. bro. You brought me to tears, bro. You're giving me answers for why those episodes stopped in me just by getting sun in the morning. I mean, literally, I, I understand now why people have experienced things like anxiety and 10, 15 years later contemplate things like suicide. Yeah. You're, you're really like, I can't fucking live like this. You're, mm -hmm. you're scared to drop any, any minute, man. And Dude, I'm going to give you a, <clears throat> I'm going to give you a, a really cool, I'm not going to tell you where it came from, but. Listen to the break in Benjamin's song called Failure. Listen yeah. to the words, okay? You're depressed. You got anxiety. Um, I'm going to just tell you that song was written for you. And listen to the words. Did I have something to do with those words? You might say, yeah. All right, man. Well, you know what I'll do is uh, if they don't kill me for it is uh, I'll add it to the when I make this a podcast on iTunes, not just on YouTube and post it. I'm going to do that little intro right in the beginning before we get going. All right. Sounds good. Jack, man, thank you so much for doing this. I know Naughty was in it, man. Uh, we all should actually get together under the sun one time, man, and really thank hang you. the fuck out. Not in the walls, man. It's a great place to hang out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, headed to Sedona right now, man. I'm shutting all this electronic shit off. I'm grabbing the pit bull and we're out of here. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going. Uh, actually, I'm going to meet one of my buddies on the, the river. I have this uh, gate that's over here. and I, This guy did residency with me uh, 
25 years ago and um, my mentor retired last night and I have a, a lock, you know, it's a big fence that people put locks. So when you come into my house, we haven't seen each other in a long time. I make people put the locks on there and take the keys out and go throw them in the Mississippi river. So he just texted me while we're talking. He goes, come on, dude, I want to go throw the keys in the river with you. So that's where I'm going. I love it, man. Thanks again. We'll talk again soon, brother. Thank you. All right. Take care. See you, buddy. Bye-bye. Are you serious, y'all? That just happened. Like, my God. I, uh, wow. Sometimes at the end of these podcasts, the last one I got off with, uh, Dr. Jack Cruz, I was at the end and I just kind of finished because my brain hurt and my head hurt. And, uh, you know, thank you for all the questions from the tribe for everybody asking them. I didn't even get to talk about any of this. Uh, he covered a lot of it as it was anyway. Um, it's why I don't really, I rarely prepare for podcasts because, you know, I do the notes, I do the work and research it. And frankly, it just comes out way more authentic this way without the, uh, notes and research. But, um, it's the first time, I guess, um, well, second time I've only really interviewed him, but, or sat with him, chat with him. And, uh, all of that stuff began to make more and more sense, um, as Naudi stuff does, as you may hear it the first time and people experience that, uh, that cognitive dissonance really can hit you. And I know I can't mention in my book, but it was, it felt good because that's really what I wrote about is, you know, if you find yourself replying to anything in life, whether that's another person, whether that's something happening or an event and, and yourself with some definitive statement or exclamation point, that's the punctuation that's letting you know to start questioning yourself there. If you're making any statement that, no, this is fact, especially scientists or anybody else or yourself, whatever it is, that this is who I am. That's a subjective statement of fact defined by your perception of your experience. And question that cognitive dissonance. Be willing to tear down any concrete belief you have. I, I would be cautious to urge you to even concrete anything uh, in order to allow freedom of growth and expansion. And sitting with these two giants of uh, mental and physical expansion has been probably one of the greatest podcasts I've ever got to, to experience in my life. And uh, thank you all for experiencing it with me and the tribe of change as well and all the great questions. And I hope you can share this competence and even question it. Question as Jack asked you to question what he says, question what we believe, question what I believe, question what Naudi says, because together, I think, as a people questioning all those things is how we grow as a people together. Love you all. Hope you're taking care of you. Hope you're living your cognitive rampage. I'm going to Sedona to get some sun for the weekend, y'all. Love you. 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 Love you.